Welcome to the back room of the Randomville Bar and Grill, where it gets weird! Hey everyone, welcome to Randomville, North Dakota. Once again, you're back in the middle of the Hoople Triangle, that great astrophysical phenomenon made up of the North Dakota cities of Hoople, Buttsville, and Coal Harbor, or alternatively, you can take the left turn at Absarac or the right turn at Colfax, and when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Don't Buttsville. No, the fork in the road is in the Buttsville, man. The fork in the road is at the fork in the road, but the, there's a fork in the road at Buttsville, too. Yeah. Maybe, I don't and know. And Cliff is a nice guy. Eh. We've never, I've never still met the guy. I thought he was. You won. met the guy. Well, that one he time. He took your wheels. Right. But outside of that. And that doesn't sound And now the wheels nice. on the bus do not go round and round. No. Well, the do. axle well, on the, the bus goes round and round, but there's nothing getting the axles forced to the ground. No, the wheels on the bus still go round and round. They're just not on the bus. So I guess there are no wheels on the bus to go round and mm. round. They go round and round. This could be the spokes on. on the bus go round and round, round Copyright. and Copyright. What? Oh, that's what? that's fair use by this now by this point, right? Uh, happy know. birthday is not fair use yet. Yeah, but that's because somebody that's uh, somebody bought it and read it. But but the original Mickey Mouse might be free and clear by the end hey. of twenty twenty three. Wow. Uh, twenty four. Oh. Well, I actually looked this up. Twenty twenty four. So yeah, twenty twenty four. It'll it could be fair use. Um, of course, you know we could stop hypothesizing about legal jargon. Uh, and defer to our attorney general if we would like. We can, Dan. <gasps> you know, not Dan. We everyone's I voice sure has been Dan. heard so far. <laughs> you are Dan, but I think Gracie is allowed to introduce our special What's guest. Hawk, shut up, you can Hawk. shut no the f- up. <laughs> no one cares that you're here. Well, I gotta, I Pipe gotta, down. I had to get it in. Pipe down, <laughs> you bearded true. beauty. <laughs> Gracie, go for it. My dad. Hey, Hubert. Speaking of Mickey Mouse, uh, they were cross-examining him the other day, and someone said, "Isn't it true that you once bought by the name of Steamboat Willie?" He was very upset. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm, Hugh I'm Burns st- is here. I'm so glad to be here. I I, I was very impressed by uh, the satellite dish you have outside your facility. It is the size of a football field. <laughs> I was. Oh, no. We had to get service somehow. It's yeah. a high tech uh, place here. This is really impressive. Thank you. He said high tech. It yeah. was really, the hardest part of uh, the hardest part of getting that satellite dish in here was getting Austin to wear the harness to pull it. <laughs> Jerky well, the cow gave say, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jerky didn't want to do it, and I got paid in beer. I'm a yeah. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Jerky was halfway and realized dude, she could just make Austin do it because he hasn't paid his tab. True. Yeah. By the way, I'm debt free now after the satellite incident and the dishwashing. Wow. Wow. Restart. How many many (laughs) beers do you have right now? Three. So (laughs) what's your debt like right now? I'm in the hole again. Three beers. There it is. (laughs) But hey, at least now we can keep account. Yeah. 
Do we have a tally board so on one wall? Just keep a little tally. I don't know if a board <laughs> big enough exists. No. We might need the Great Wall of China by the end of we this might, year. We might. We might. But you know what, Dan? I heard you had a special presentation planned. Of course I do. Of course I for do. For right now. I think, we, I think we've tentatively announced it in we, the past. We have. We have. Um, but it, it is at this time that I, as the athletic director of Randomville State University, with great pride and honor, hereby retire the number 56 in honor of I don't. Hugh Burns. Oh wow. wow! Look at that. <laughs> I mean, I wish we could. You guys could see it right now, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something special. It's on the wall of fame, um, right next to Jacob Noterman by my mug. This is, has, so, this is a spectacular honor. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm speechless. How many games did you play for us? Um. You know, all of them. Memory <laughs> fails. All, all of them when there's Something none of between them. Between zero and all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how I remember it too, actually. Yeah. So what I've learned is that uh, buying people alcohol in Randomville goes a long way. Like It will get you to the Hall of Fame. It will get you to the Hall of Fame. Guaranteed. It'll, it'll get you uh, sponsorship, free adverti- or advertising. Um, Wait, so What? All of our sponsorships have been paid in alcohol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is really starting to affect the show's bottom line. Like, yes, we appreciate the booze, but if someone would be willing to pay us money, like, you'll That'd get awesome. even more than Baser Sheet Metal got out of us for a 12-pack. Yeah, what was it, like, three months of advertising for a 12-pack? Seriously. Yeah. Oh, something like <laughs> that, at and least. And it wasn't really yeah. advertising. Let's think about it, really. There they- were commercials. Yeah, but technically, don't, technically don't, doesn't advertising have to reach an audience? <laughs> Also, hey, advertise Norway. <laughs> hey, shout out, Chris. I don't know if Norway was looking for a for a janky homemade garage doors from an HVAC uh, facility. That's true. Uh, speaking of presentations, should we do this other presentation? It's not that I don't know. They wanted me to do it on the podcast. Oh, let's do it. Do presentation. So I don't know what's. Have this we about. said that you're? Oh yeah, we've said that you're expecting it. Yeah, I'm expecting yes. literally to the point where we had a contingency plan in case baby came while this episode and the episode being recorded after it uh, was being recorded. So, wow. so uh, I was. So thank. You- Baby Spooner, everyone, for not showing up and giving Dan control over this episode. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, we're By not going to pretend like it can't happen yet. In other news, though, same thing. If you start hearing you yelling and screaming, it's most likely me and Baby Spooner's on the way. Ah. Maybe? Ah. He will panic. Yep. I will panic. Huck will I, panic, I, yes. I'll be the one to panic. I'm going to panic, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually fair. At least, at least you have a reason to panic. Mine is I don't have anything to drink in order of honor of it. What? You have a beer, a beer in your hand. Oh, snap. Where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, y'all know I'm from Philly. You Wait, what? what? Oh, wow. You're going to no, lead you're in not. with that? We all talk, well, we talk about Gritty and my love for Gritty. And I I told Spooner that he has to expect that I'm buying a Gritty doll for his child. Yeah, I know. And he said he would be offended if I didn't. So You even sent us a screenshot of you shopping for it. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you search uh, Gritty Doll on Amazon, <laughs> you'll get one Gritty and then all Chucky Dolls, like from the hilarious. horror movie. Actually, the first result was a Chucky Doll. No. Second was Gritty. No, the first result was Gritty, and then oh. it becomes, then it's Chucky. Then it's I all messed Chucky. that part. I can see the oh. orange. So, 
I also didn't realize how big it was. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm pretty sure this is going to be bigger than your newborn baby. Oh, no. I Holy love this crap. already. Hey, it's a crack in the box. Wow. <laughs> it's round. What the heck? It's scary. This is horrifying. Oh, come on. I think it's cute. The eyes. Yeah, we got to send out photos the, to Thank you. That is staring into my soul. The eyes, look it's, at you. It, it's also got kind of a hunchback look to it. It's oh wow! What it's the? Plush. Hey, it's hey, plush. hey, hey! So Spooner's it's, currently touching it. It's plush, hey, Dan, and it's Dan, evil case. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. We're passing it around. We will. We will take a picture with what it so that, that you all can see on the it's, Facebook. Hey, its Dan. helmet looks more like a yarmulke. <laughs> oh, it does. <laughs> Are you having a Jewish oh, kid? It is very soft. I didn't know Gritty was Jewish, guys. As we pass no, it around, it has little felt? feet that kick. Is that felt? Uh, it, it has been felt. It has been felt. <laughs> wow. It's not actually. Oh felt, come though. on! He, I think he's cute. He's I'm handing him over. Be careful. Don't, be don't put your hands in his ah! mouth. It looked at me. Seriously. It saw me. I don't make eye contact for too long. It'll consume your soul. Okay, yeah. I also got this because I was walking through Target. Oh, no. Hey. The Cards Against Humanity Dad Pack. Oh, we have no. to. We got to crack that open right open now. It. Oh, boy. Uh -oh. Open it. And I have get to know. History. To everyone who is expecting our, um, our episode titled content, um, we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Don't worry. Don't worry. You gotta get you just gotta be smarter. Did, you just gotta be one percent smarter than the inanimate object you're working against. Hey, that's my line. You just stole it from me. I paraphrased. Well, it's also my dad's. I line. thought it was ten percent. One percent. One percent. You only have to be one percent smarter than the object you're working with. Not in my field. Of All right. Work. So we've got some black cards, some white cards. The black cards. Um. That one's not getting read out loud. What do you think? Money grows on trees? I'm not paying for blank. <laughs> no! Coming up on Turner Classic Movies, Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin in the hunt for blank. <laughs> Young lady, you better knock it off with blank or you're grounded. That one would That's not. That's going to be really <laughs> bad. Hey, kids, I'm Connor's dad, but you can call me Mr. Blank. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that one's not getting read out loud. No. I would uh, I would go ahead and tear that one up right mm -hmm. now. <laughs> that, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Is this we'll the part where you have here. to be like those Pokemon people who are like, you can tell it's an authentic card because it's got the black stripe when you tear it in half. <laughs> uh, if that's how you have to find out, that that is not worth it. Making the printer work, having a heart attack, emotional unavailability. Mm. Gracie, you can read that one. Flirting with the ladies at the bank. Why me? Because it's funny. Going bald? <laughs> <laughs> I had the most hair in this entire Not room. Not you. Not you. What? It's the what pack? Oh, oh, I Come on. That's your father. <laughs> oh. Wow, you made, a, you made a joke about Hugh Burns being bald? Oh, no, you technically did. Divorce, coaching the seventh grade girls basketball team. Keem? That, that's, Dan, yeah. do you want to tear that one up? Um, I want to read it first. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Keep reading them. Come on. Uh, uh, a positive male role model sitting on the toilet for 45 minutes. Mulch. Standing mm. in the middle of the living room holding two remote controls. Dad's famous chili. The son of a bitch who knocked up my daughter. Oh. <laughs> the nipples of a man. What? Stealing a child's nose and keeping it forever. 
Uh, <laughs> tripping on an object and becoming hey, by the way, angry. If anyone sees mine, my dad still has it. Dad I, drunk. I like it back. Kidnapping Liam Neeson's daughter. <laughs> Finding a place to sit down. Oh, no, 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 no. These ones, I'm not going to tear up, but I'm also not going to read them. Dan can, though. Because oh, anyway. Nice. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. This one's fine. Low sperm motility. You wouldn't read that one? We know you don't have it. <laughs> You're having a kid. Not going to say that one. <laughs> Which one is that? <laughs> Read it, Dan. We'll just bleep the whole thing out here. What, my, what Dad has to say about Muslims. <laughs> Why do you always get the racist ones? Because I'm a little bit. Everybody is. We'll bleep that Have you out. heard that song? Oh, it's so great. It's so funny. It's it also a, like... The whole musical is hilarious. Avenue Q is great. Avenue yeah. Q is a hilarious musical. Okay, talking about history. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh? All right. Anyway, the, so that was... Was yeah. it the soft one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's a Father's Day episode, I've realized, even though it's not Father's Day. <laughs> this is our late Father's it's Day It's not episode. a Father's Day <laughs> But, but right. by the time you probably edit it and air it, it'll be Father's Day 2024. I mean, now, if gosh. we have to be honest and address this. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, look, summers are kind of rough uh, on us. Yeah, it is. Oh, that was bad. Why? Because you're having a kid? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure, having a we'll baby. I'm busy now. Okay, okay, okay. Oh. It's time to get to I, what we actually I want to talk about. I just shot beer out of my nose because that was a funny comment. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Gracie's. Which one? All of them. Because I'm why. funnier than you. Well, that's just not true. Because, Probably Dan, not. you know what's funnier than just about anything on Earth? Oh, don't do this. <laughs> Gritty. This is not going to be a good transition if you're doing what I think you're doing. It's going to be a funny one. I was going to say fail army videos. Oh, that's, oh, better. that's better. Yeah, I was worried you were going to jump into World War II. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to segue from like, fail. That's not I was going to segue from fail army into World War II, Dan. Come on. I was very I didn't know where you were going with that. I just Wait. knew. Okay, we're talking about World War II. What's funnier than Dan? Oh, God, not that. <laughs> anyway. Don't get me wrong. I, I love World War II, but it, it's not like it's I not think funny. it's a comedy. Well, some parts might have been. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yep. Anyway. We're talking about World War II. Yeah. With you. Yeah. And you. I am you. Actually, he is you. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um, so, my dad is, like, World War II encyclopedia. But I mean, he God. knows, like, every little detail and I always... I wouldn't go that far, but I, I, prefer, I prefer an encyclopedia. A few bro. little... A few little sure. Easter eggs of World War II like stuff. It. Um... For instance, the the B seventeen, the Flying Fortress. Um, if you're familiar with it from television, movies, and there was uh, a song about. Oh no, that was B fifty bristling with machine guns, and everyone thinks that's why it's called the Flying Fortress because it's so heavily armed. In fact, that's not really true. It oh. was given the name Flying Fortress because that was done to convince the isolationist Congress to fund it. Everyone, <laughs> because. It was called a flying fortress because instead of a fortress that just sits there, it flies around and can go out and blow up the enemy invasion fleet with its bombs before it reached the shores of the USA. 
So that was all a public relations deal to convince Congress to fund the aircraft. Huh. It turned out that in practice, the B-17 was completely useless for bombing ships. They would move out of the way before the bombs arrived. So, you know, <clears throat> it was it was useful for some was, other things. Because it was a high-altitude bomber. Yes. Yeah. And it had the famous famous Norden bombsite, which was... Uh, said to be able to drop a bomb down a pickle barrel at 20,000 feet, which was <laughs> completely false. It mm-hmm. couldn't do anything like that. It, they were, they <laughs> were like happy to, to get try. You know, a few bombs within five yards of the aiming point from you know any particular plane. That was considered a very successful bombing mission. But uh, And moving on to something of, that's really amusing is, uh, is Pearl Harbor. Um, and I, question for you, Hugh. Did you know that they were that the B fifty twos were retired by the Brazilian Air Force? B fifty two B seventeen. That's what I meant. <laughs> I was thinking about the band still. And not until nineteen sixty eight. I think well, that's the terrifying part. The thing the thing to keep in mind is as Why Brazil. As as high level militaries in the world end their useful lives of tanks, um, heavy machinery, aircraft and the like. Are you going to put it in a scrap yard, or you're going to hold a, a big yard, yard sale, yard and sale, sell it? And yeah, so like the tier two, tier three air forces of the world will fly stuff that we I retire. If I'm correct, and I don't remember what country it was, there are countries still flying planes from the '50s as their number one ah. single seater of choice. Yeah, pretty sure it's Russia. <laughs> Can we, talk, on. can we make yeah. jokes about that country anymore? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. You're not allowed to act like you like them anymore. Well, that's true. Oh shoot! What which about is actually, Which is actually kind of a bummer. I wonder. I wonder if he still has that pa- that painting up, that, that portrait up somewhere. What, hey, I mean, it's Gorbachev, it? not Putin. It's right. Gorbachev. But it's still so like maybe, but at the same time, it's For still context, very pro Dad, Russia. For uh, context, yeah, our friend Jacob had a painting of Gorbachev. That guy right there, it. above his toilet. <laughs> well, he he had a interesting head, with the you know birthmark and all. But yeah. uh, he just uh, likes looking at it, I guess. Yeah. Did you have you have you guys seen the movie Lincoln? Yeah. With Daniel Day Lewis. So, Hugh, the joke won't be original to you, but it might be original to the rest of them. Um, shortly after after the Revolutionary War, an ambassador was sent from the United States to England, and he and one night while he's there, he's per, he's at a party, and um, th- over the course of the evening, he finds the need to relieve himself. Um, so he asks the host of the party wh- to show him to the water closet, and he shows him, and he goes in, and he's as he's taking care of his business, he looks up and notices a portrait of George Washington. And he takes note and finishes his, what he's doing, and he walks out, and he he goes out of the bathroom, and he doesn't say anything. And the host is wondering, why isn't he saying anything? And he goes, so he finally goes up to him and goes, did you notice the portrait? He goes, yes, I noticed. And the host says, well, what did you think about its placement? He said, well, I thought it was quite appropriate. You thought that the... Placement of your president's portrait in the in the water closet was above the above the above the John was was appropriate and he goes well yes you see I've never known something to make a Brit an Englishman shit. 
quite as fast as the sight of George Washington. <laughs> what does that have to do with Lincoln? No, it was in the movie Lincoln. Oh. Lincoln tells that joke in the movie. Oh, got it. Uh, that makes more sense. Thank you. Anyway, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. <laughs> not what a the, transition. Not the, not the terrible movie. No. no. Well, I, I owe this and many other stories to uh, a, a book by a fellow named Alan Zim. He wrote about Pearl Harbor from the perspective of operational analysis. Uh, now, everyone considers, you know, at the time that the, the attack took place, it was so successful. Everyone considered the Japanese to be, you know, 10 feet tall, geniuses of operational art, and, you know, springing the surprise attack that was so tremendously successful. And uh, when you actually dig into the operation, there are a lot of strange contradictions that sort of undermine that, that impression. Uh, for example, Japanese the attack depended upon achieving surprise, and uh, Yamamoto, the or author of the attack, uh, allowed the midget submarines to attack early in the morning, like at 7 a.m., which should have should have alerted the Americans to the fact that something very bad was happening because, you know, there were submarines in the harbor uh, and they actually sank one. They didn't accomplish much, but what they, what they did accomplish was to sort of say, hey, we're attacking you today. Right. You know, um, and one of the mm, indications of the kind of improvisational spirit of the attack was that uh, uh, on the night before uh, the the commander of the air group uh, Fushida is on the boat and is talking about the attack and they were saying well you know if we don't achieve surprise the dive bombers should go first because it'll cause confusion and it'll draw fire and uh you know, it'll enable the, the the planes with the real killing power, the torpedo planes. We're really depending on the torpedo planes to be able to sink battleships. Uh, they'll be able to, to slip in while all the confusion's happening. However, if we believe we have achieved surprise, we're going to hold the dive bombers back and let the, the torpedo planes come in first because it'll no one will be expecting them and no one will be shooting at them. So they, he comes up with a plan off, off the cuff. He says, well, okay. If I think we've achieved surprise, I'll fire one flare. And if I think we haven't su- achieved surprise, I'll fire two flares. And if I fire two flares, uh, die bombs will shoot ahead and, you know, start bombing, and then that'll perhaps create some confusion and draw some fire. So they're coming in, and Fushida's looking around, and he's, you know, convinced that it's okay. We've achieved surprise. He fires a flare. And he's not sure that they all saw it, so he shoots another one. (laughs) And they're like, well, there's the two flares, send in the dive bombers. And the dive bombers arrive for, you know, minutes before the torpedo planes and and thereby alert the defenses, you know. So by the time the torpedo planes arrive, the the air is full of, of, of tracers and, you know, in aircraft fire. And who knows how many planes they lost because of that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, but but the whole idea of the attack was kind of warped because the Japanese had been planning for this war for for years upon years, and you know the plan was to get the Americans to to, to come charging across the Pacific uh, to try and relieve the garrison in in the Philippines, and you know along the way they would be attacked by air and there would be a decisive battle and Japan would win. Um, and what the attack accomplished was it accomplished 
you know, sinking several battleships, which are really old and slow and probably wouldn't have been much use, and convince the Americans to not try to charge across the Pacific, but to stay, you know, back and and wait for developments. So it sort of thwarted the, the strategy that Japan had been working on all along. Um, so these are just some of the you know, probable mistakes that were built into the Japanese plan. Hmm. Uh, another example is the, the use of fighter planes. I mean, they sent fighters along with the attack force, but they didn't have any instructions to try to suppress enemy, any aircraft fire, uh, or to do anything particular. They just flew around looking for targets, and they basically wound up shooting up barracks, shooting up you know cars on the road, and not being much use of all, uh, of any use to the attack. Um, and in fact, a couple of uh, American fighters did get off the ground uh, and actually shot down some Japanese planes, and the fighters were just you know, busy shooting cars. Mm-hmm. They weren't even you know, available to, to oppose the meager defenses uh, that managed to get up. So, um, I think, you know, you always hear, I think the big takeaway from Pearl Harbor is the only thing that the, that the attack on Pearl Harbor truly accomplished was pissing off the American people. That's right. The, the, the strategy, such as there was, depended upon convincing the Americans to have some, you know, arrive at some kind of negotiated settlement at some point. And the one thing the attack accomplished above all was to make the Americans completely disinclined to even think mm-hmm. about negotiating anything at all. Um, they were kind of mad. Yeah. At the surprise attack. Yeah. <laughs> Little miffed. But that's kind of like um, I forgot where I was going with that. Like, uh, like there's a giant, and like, oh yeah, you shoot up like Hulk. <laughs> okay, yeah. In 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 the long shawl, you didn't really do much to Hulk, and now he's just really pissed off. Yep. Yeah. Now any chance you had of calming him down and bringing <laughs> yeah. him and bringing back Doctor Banner is completely gone, and you are kind of screwed. And I'm curious, actually, right now, Hugh. Um, I don't know if you're a, a World War II movie person. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a yes. But <laughs> some of some of the the better World War II movies revolve around either Pearl Harbor or Midway, um, and sometimes they're just straight up called Midway or not D-Day. not the new attack on Pearl Harbor. Um, I'm just kind of curious. What is your favorite Ooh. World War II war movie? Wow, um, I don't know if it's really a movie, but the uh, the Band of Brothers series on mm. on HBO okay, is yep. probably the the best thing I've I've seen. Um, <laughs> for you know, for having uh, my father's was you know in the war, and uh, a lot of it really rings true. I mean, just just the way they talk and mm-hmm. and, and act. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that is increasingly mm, disappearing. Uh, there was even a a bit I saw somewhere on the on the internet describing uh, the way soldiers portraying or actors portraying soldiers rather in movies uh, the the soldiers act the way soldiers act today they they carry their weapons for example in a particular way with uh, you know uh, the, the weapon at a at a sort of a ready to use state it's it's sort mm-hmm. of yeah uh, high up on the shoulder and and pointing down yep. which um. They really didn't do that uh, in back in the day. I mean, outside the, it, okay. it would be. See, it looks like you're on the. I was Spooner and I were miming how how right they how modern. I've got the experience. They carry it, <laughs> and and Spooner's got his finger hooked, and I'm like, 
Okay, Spooner would it's know. Not as much hooked as Spooner would know not to walk around with his with his finger on the trigger. Yeah, I always got to be ready to go, if, Dan. Come on. No, your trigger. Your <laughs> finger is not on the trigger until no, you have no, every intention of pulling the no, trigger. Because my finger is like bent right now because it's relaxed, or else it would be pressed on the front end of the trigger. Well, I, I was gonna say because yeah. I always when I like, and I'm not a soldier by any means, but my any time I've held a weapon, it's pressed up above the trigger guard yeah so that i can just kind of slide down to the trigger and i mean i'm just kind of relaxed right now because you would find like you would find like a spot on your your moly pouches and everything where you could just easily rest the magazine because nine times out of ten if you're carrying a weapon it's going to have like a strap over the shoulder or something you're just going to be it's taking the weight off actually holding it Mm -hmm. so yeah that that's why I have funky hand positioning that no one listening can hear. <laughs> See, See. <laughs> you're killing it, dude. Anyway, Hugh, you were saying before I rudely interrupted. No, but uh, yeah, that that was uh, a series that I thought really captured the mm, essence of the, the 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 cultural milieu, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned you mentioned Midway, and it, I, I, something that's very interesting about that battle is the design. Of the uh, the carriers, um, yeah, American carriers were designed with um, kind of a open hangar deck. It's got huge, you know, holes, if you will, uh, spaces in which you can, you know, the, the weather comes in, of course, but you can you can also push flaming wreckage over the side if you want to. And uh, the Japanese philosophy was to have a contained hangar deck where, you know, the, the crews would be able to uh, work on the aircraft, you know, in relative comfort uh, away from, you know, wind and rain and that sort of thing. But because they were enclosed, uh, it was hard to get rid of things that were on fire. Uh, and they had another problem, which was that the Japanese philosophy in shipbuilding, military shipbuilding, that is, was uh, entirely devoted to offensive ideas, to, uh, you know, attacking. So they did give a lot of thought to damage control. And the uh, fuel lines, for example, that were you know, feeding the aircraft were not designed with multiple cutoff points. You couldn't, you couldn't turn them off uh, at particular points along the deck, maybe one or two places. Um, whereas the Americans, if, if they knew attacks were coming in, which they would with radar or something else the Japanese didn't have, they would empty the fuel lines and substitute some inert gas so that they couldn't help cause a fire. So when a Japanese hmm. carrier got hit, very likely what would happen and what, what did happen, in fact, at Midway was that the, the fuel lines would start spilling gasoline onto the enclosed hangar deck and thereby creating gasoline fumes mixed with the air and eventually they would become a giant floating firebomb mm-hmm. some spark would happen and the, mm-hmm. the you know right. it would virtually explode the entire hangar deck and uh, create fires that they couldn't possibly put out because mm-hmm. the the fire mains were all broken by the explosion and right. again they didn't have multiple cutoff points for uh dealing with that and you know, the damage control training was isolated uh, to certain specialists, uh, whereas in the American Navy, everybody on the ship was trained in damage control, and every officer was expected to know how to deal with damage, um, which is why, you know, on, on the day of the battle, if four, four carriers went down for the Japanese, and the uh, Yorktown on the American side was lost because it was torpedoed right. uh, by a Japanese submarine. 
So it's, well, and you look at how that how that's even influenced ships now, where ships have all of these incredibly thick firewall doors, and these doors that that seal behind you because the idea is, if there's a fire on this part of the ship, we can close that off until the controlman can get there and put out the fire. Yes. Same in hospitals too. Mm-hmm. Whenever we get uh, somebody burning popcorn in their office. The entire hospital, all of the hallway doors just shut closed. <laughs> Those always trouble me, though, because they're usually wood doors. Yep. Mm. Yep. <clears throat> they are. You're from the, right. From the carpenter's standpoint, they have a steel core to them still. Do they really? Yeah. Yes. Well, how about that? Good to know. The Hold actual- on. Hold on. Huck just contributed something intellectual. <laughs> uh, can I continue then? Please. The hotel. The- hotel this the is the hospital. part where he talks about biscuit joints <laughs> 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 sounds tasty <laughs> Hill, you, we have to talk afterwards <laughs> no uh but uh ho- he loves biscuit the joints. hospital doors to the rooms those are not steeled okay they have a steel exterior frame most of the time mm. so if someone was to come and try and kick one in mm. in case of emergency mm-hmm. it's more difficult but the doors to each floor or um wing i guess are steel plated on the interior but they have a wood exterior that makes them look pretty oh so so it's purely an aesthetic choice yes yeah. interesting uh, yeah it's a Every, it's i don't a know if building, it's a, it's a building code in a fire assessment well, kind of deal the hospital I work at, which shall remain nameless because I want to keep my job, uh, I knock on doors every day for a living. Yeah. They're definitely wooden. Well, that's what well, I'm saying. Well, There's no, not, not the, the... room doors. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I knock that's on... what he just right. said. Yeah. The room no, doors... He just said, said the room doors are wood. Doors are the room wood, doors but... have a steel exterior, like, framing. like the So, the, like, the lining around, around the, the outside itself. corners. Not the... Like the part that you're knocking yeah. is it's still solid. wood. Oh, That's I thought solid. you meant was like uh, in, no. completely yeah. encased. No, no, okay, nope. okay. that is got that is I, hollow through the framing itself. I don't appreciate the, the look you're giving me, Spooner. <laughs> I wish you could see it right now, listeners. Just the power blind. of gritty compels you. <laughs> well, that sounded blasphemous. Uh, <laughs> Hugh, I have a, I have a question for you. When you talk about World War II, and when you're studying and reading and learning. Do you prefer to focus on on the European front or the Pacific front? Well, I used to prefer the European front, but uh, you know, with with maturity, I've come to appreciate both. Uh, <laughs> huh? Well, I'm going to go ahead and take that personal because I deeply prefer the European front for a variety of reasons. But I'm curious, <laughs> dictators. <laughs> what dictators, Dan? Well, that's true. Uh, uh, well, there was there was no shortage of dictators. Uh, on the He's Pacific front. Um, I, I'm curious why, if there, if you can hammer down a specific reason why you would, why you prefer the the Pacific front. Oh, I don't prefer it. Okay, I, I, I uh, appreciate. I think both, but uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on mm. uh, in both theaters. Uh, um, you know, and, and I say a bit by my appreciation of. Um, the Pacific Theater, I think, came came later um, uh, because I think the historians took their time, uh, you know, really giving it, doing it justice. Interesting. So. Interesting. So, Dad, 
Oh, sorry. Oh, I guess I guess I guess one of the reasons that I prefer that I really prefer the Eastern theater um, is the political games that were going on behind the war, and the, and the and really um, when you look at at the that the German government especially, there was a lot of of insider deals and weaseling and conniving and trying to work their way who can be and in the everyone in that circle was trying to get as much power as they could but interestingly no one in that circle was trying to beat hitler they were all trying everyone in that circle was competing for number two right and that always fascinates me just a little bit when you talk about adolf hitler and what a polarizing human person and and dictator he was it was so much so that all of these other narcissists and and psychopaths and power hungry people were so convinced that he was the guy that all they wanted was number two true and yeah it, it's amazing how people can deceive themselves in fact there's well it, not everyone people at the top i mean the soldiers understood what was going on mm-hmm. but there was, there was a joke that was making the rounds in the Wehrmacht uh, where the the, uh, the scene is a uh, German grade school and uh, the teacher is showing the students a map and says now if all the red spaces you see on the map that's that's England and this this all of this white you know blue stuff all of this blue stuff that's the United States and and uh, and over here we have red that's that's the soviet union and of course we're we're at war with all these people and uh and uh the student says well what's that little white spot in the middle and she says well that's germany and the the kid says does the fear know (laughs) 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 oh it's and it is so fascinating um i recently watched the the movie uh darkest hour Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? I have. What were, a what were your thoughts? I thought it was a little overly dramatic. That's uh, fair. Um, uh, I mean, you know, there were a whole, whole lot of of tough decisions that Churchill was making, and I, I don't somehow think that he made, you know, this this particular decision or series of decisions because he, he hopped on the subway one day and and, and mm-hmm. heard heard the common people speaking about about the situation. I think, I think that was a, a bit of Hollywoodism mm-hmm. uh, going on, but uh, yeah, the um, it's hard to translate the the real drama of history into into movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always done successfully, and and you know, movies kind of lend themselves to a kind of mythological right. view of uh, of history rather than an accurate one. But mm-hmm. you know, but they're entertaining. I. I the the exact scene that you're talking about is one of my favorite scenes and so much so that I actually uh, I had to go on and, and Google how the realism of that scene um, and, and you're exactly right at no point is there any record that that Churchill disappeared from his security <laughs> um, there there was no record of saying that the British Secret Service or what their equivalent lost the Prime Minister. And he went and hopped on a subway for an hour, talked to the common folk, and then showed up back at Parliament. Uh, there's nothing to indicate that that ever happened. Whenever However, I have a, an important decision to make, I hop on the tube. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what the folks are thinking. Uh, there is actually, though, 
documentation like of times when he would he would on. walk through the streets and just casually ask people what their thoughts were, what they were thinking, and how they felt. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that something weighed that. on his decisions heavily, but it was something that he considered. Um, it also built morale. I mean, yeah. you know, for people to see him and, and, and see that he's you know talking to people. Right. I'm that, telling you, he wore helps. the fake mustache, the funny glasses, a trench coat. Nobody knew will ever know who I am. Nobody recognized him. <laughs> Did Churchill have a mustache? No, no. Okay, no. Um, but he did drink scotch highballs like they were going out of style. Among other things, uh, Hugh, do you know? This is my one of my favorite f- fun facts of, of World War II history. Do you know how uh, Winston Churchill reacted to the bombing of Pearl Harbor? Yeah, he was delighted. Yeah, <laughs> he actually. Wow. The, the story goes that he he was told the news and it was late because um, of the time difference. And he walked over to his liquor cabinet and popped a bottle of champagne uh, and remarked to his cabinet, the war is won. We're going to win. Yep. He he knew at that moment. He because and, and he was, like you say, he was ecstatic because for months he'd been trying to get, get Roosevelt involved. Sure. Because he knew that the United States was an industrial powerhouse. And yep. that's something that... Something Hitler never understood because all of his, you know, understanding of, of America was based on, well, reading Western novels and and you know being in the First World War. Yep. And in the First World War, you know, the Americans became involved and nothing happened. I mean that you know we we were training an army for I don't know how many years, yep. and when, when it finally got overseas, it was using French and British equipment. We you know were then a, yep. an industrial powerhouse, but we couldn't figure out how to equip the army. Yep. So he evidently figured, well, it's going to be just like that again. So I yep. might as well declare war on them. They're, they're escorting convoys halfway across the ocean. Yep. So I'll just, you know, just cut to the chase. And that was a, a particularly stupid thing. World, to do, World War One, when the United States got involved, it was basically fresh bodies. That's the, and that's yes. all the, that's the only advantage that it offered. World War Two, like you say, Hitler felt it would be the same thing. Yeah. And his delusion, as you mentioned, allowed him to believe that that wouldn't matter. His, his, insight and his inspiration would would power the third reich on yeah uh, but a lot of people don't know that that you know hitler declared war on us yep. and, you know, after pearl harbor uh if he, if he hadn't it's not really clear what congress would have done mm-hmm. you know, because there was still a lot of isolation and sentiment and of course everybody wanted to get the japanese yeah you know for for revenge for pearl harbor but you know it wasn't exactly the same for Germany. I mean, a lot of people were like, well, Germany, England, yeah, they're fighting, fine, whatever. It's, they're, they're always doing that. Why should that bother us? Mm-hmm. So I have I have a theory on World War II, and I wonder if you agree with me. And I'll, and I'll share it. I, I firmly Please believe... tell me more. I am a firm believer... Um, thank you, Austin. That... I said that if, sarcastically. If Hitler could have swallowed his pride... And started an invasion in England, and sent troops in boots on the ground. I firmly believe that he would have won the European war. Well, I mean, the trick is getting the boots on the ground, and the um, everyone everyone thinks about the Battle of Britain, you mm-hmm. know, and Germany's failure to win the Battle of Britain as the deciding factor on whether proper, you know, whether sea lion would take place. But sea uh, lions? I thought we were talking <laughs> about wars. <laughs> There was a sea lion, a walrus, and a, uh, a jellyfish, but I'll, ah. I'll tell that joke later. Um, uh, Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my? The really decisive factor was the Royal Navy. I mean, there was a, a, 
you know, a large group of, of destroyers and cruisers and battleships that were all oh set my. to come in and massacre the German invasion fleet when it tried to cross. And, you know, irrespective of, of air superiority, which the Germans never did manage to achieve, mm-hmm. um, it's ex- extremely doubtful that they would have been able to land anything effectively uh, on the on the British uh, side of the channel. Uh, no one will ever know for sure, of course. But uh, right, mm-hmm. but uh, this is very very really, risky. That's a really great perspective. And also Hitler to had completely to, completely destroy my theory. Well, Hitler <laughs> also had to worry about about something else, which is the Soviet Union. The right. ten, the, the, it was a tense situation with with Stalin. I mean, everyone well, knew that the the. Uh, um, non-aggression pact was a temporary expedient right and every one who knew stalin knew that stalin was waiting for the western powers germany and and you know france and england to destroy each other mm-hmm. and then he would come in and you know take over how long do you think stalin would have waited if hitler hadn't invaded first well, that's a vatican is the realm of the theory answer is 12 <laughs> 12 months 12 days 12 years i don't know but yeah, yeah. Well, certainly no earlier than 1942, maybe 1943. Okay. Um, you know, the Red Army was reorganizing after the fiasco in, in Finland. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Gack. <laughs> um, which, by the way, had a, a lot of a lot of influence on Hitler's right. decision to invade because uh, it looked as though the Soviet Union's, uh, you know, like the Red Army, was completely incompetent when they mm-hmm. invaded Finland, um, which was, I guess, in the winter of 1940, they um, couldn't get out of their own way. What I mean, the, the, the Finns were were uh, making fools of them. Yep. Uh, eventually, they, they just settled on brute force. They, they you know, blew everything up they could with, 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 you know, with artillery and then just steamrolled the, the Finns, but... It took quite a bit of time for them to be able to even manage that with their vastly superior numbers and vastly superior firepower. Right. Um, so it looked uh, as though the, the German army would be able to mop the floor with them, which to an extent they did the first year and maybe the second year as well following the invasion, but they were unable to knock the USSR out of the war. Right. Mm. I feel like I'm... I'm Completely bogarting this heck? conversation. Oh no, you're good. You're good. You're good. I found. I, I'm more. I found because I this. seem to remember just Germany tried a bunch of things that didn't stick in World War Two. That's accurate. And and I remember one well, of them communism is being the one. gun that was built. To, Germany was never communist. Germany was fascist. Right. <clears throat> they were a fascist dictatorship, but at no point Hitler actually hated communism. Oh yeah, that That's was one of his saying. issues with Stalin was that he he. Right. Nationally hated hated communism and ironically couldn't see the similarities. But he did not hate socialism. Yep, he no. couldn't see the similarity similarities between his fascist socialism and and uh, Stalin's communism. Yeah, but Germany tried a, a gun that would shoot around corners. Ooh, it actually Krumlaf. Well, it would take the barrel. Uh, it would take the bullet, and the bullet going through the corner curve of the barrel actually just broke up the bullet and made it just a weird shotgun that was right. super ineffective. Um, How would they have ever thought that that would have worked? There, there they is, obviously didn't watch Mythbusters. Ah. <laughs> there is also the tank that could only go 12 miles an hour and weighed, where is it, about 200 tons? Wow. What? Is your battery dead, Gracie? I think my battery's dead. Oh, that's a, there's another battery. There's another pack down in there that you can exchange out. It's the gray tub closest to you. Just dig around in there. 
All right. That's what, what, what do we miss out on number one, though? Uh, number one is an invention that was um, built. What the heck is that? The Panjandrum. Yes. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to roll around and blow up mines. <laughs> so the first ever, like. Uh, Minesweeper? Mine. <laughs> Before it was on Windows. Minesweeper. <laughs> it was supposed to work, but it didn't. Uh, so we need AA batteries for you, Gracie? Well, no, I just get... I don't want to break it. It did create a oh, great deal of one? amusement. No, yeah, that's still the... Oh, you're, that's like the whole unit? Oh, wait. Oh, wait, we're on. Yeah, you're, you're on, but your batteries are low, so there should be another one of these in that tub. Gracie is learning how to use a microphone for the first hey, time, folks. Shut it's up. fine. Oh, I, it's, I think I found it. It's I remember my difficulties. first beer. What? <laughs> do you? No. Well, actually, I do. Uh, here we go. I oh, don't. Yes, here's, here's Britain's worst tank, the Covenant, Covenanter. <laughs> well, the first problem was they couldn't spell. Yeah. I really want to go to the tank museum mm. in England. Ooh. There's also one, England. I think, in, in Aberdeen here in, uh, I think, in Maryland. There's a I thought you uh, said, I I said, collection said, of, said uh, like South Dakota Aberdeen, and <laughs> I was really confused. The place in Illinois we went to? Yeah, that was not was good. They had uh, a number of tanks there that uh, Where in Illinois? Yeah, it's in Illinois. What's that? Yeah, there's a there's a tank museum and I want to say it's in London, but don't quote me on that that has and its specialty is not what is like World said. War 2 tanks. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Um and if you go on uh, if you were to go on if you were to go on YouTube, <clears throat> you can find all these videos of, of different historians giving their top five or bottom five tanks of all time. Ooh, um, top five. They, there's some really cool tanks. It also shows the parallels between German engineering and Soviet engineering. Um, and why 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 the Soviet Union was able to get so many tanks out. Well, the Germans were were producing very slowly. That's a very interesting subject, especially when compared with the the design philosophy of the United States. With, mm. the, with three, you know, big tank producers, right. it was uh, the United States, Germany, uh, and, Chevy, GM, Ford, and the USSR. <laughs> uh, oh, I thought well, we were talking about oh. And the producers. USSR philosophy was, and if you go to Aberdeen, you'll you'll see this. I mean, you can, mm-hmm. there's a T34 there, which it's got a hole in the armor you can put your yep. hand through. Uh, I mean, they were they were digging holes in the ground we're and, and where? pouring Aberdeen, Maryland. Okay, just making sure. Uh, yeah, the Ordnance Museum, I think, and they've got all kinds of tanks there. They, the Russians were were digging holes in the ground and pouring steel into them, you know, yep. to, to forge <laughs> tank parts. Uh, and the design philosophy was the tank's not going to last much longer than the gasoline in the gas tank. So there's no need to worry about, you know, building it to last, you know, so it'll it'll go more than like 200 miles. Who cares? Quantity over quality. Right. Yeah. Whereas the Germans were, uh, you know, very proud of the the perfectionists uh, philosophy that they they adopted. You know, their tanks were works of art, practically. I mean, when you uh, when the soldier got uh, into the, the Tiger tank, there's a manual waiting saying this tank. We spent 100,000 man-hours making this tank. Hold up. You're saying there's a plaque on the inside that says, we spent time making beautiful things. Like 100,000 man-hours. Whereas the Americans would say, we spent 25 man-hours making this tank, and we made so many that you won't be able to see them. Uh, That was Uh, the American philosophy. They They built tanks like cars. Yep. They they were not only on, incredibly numerous, but they were built to last, and they were built to be repaired. Yep. 
So, you know, they wouldn't break down very often, but when they did, they were ready to fix them. Mm-hmm. They would take tanks that were knocked out, and they would, you know, hose them out and replace the innards, and they would give them to a new crew and say, yep. here you go. It's a, it's practically new. <laughs> Except for that one kind of like a, in the side. Kind of like a used car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> it's hey. used like new. Yeah. <laughs> now. It's got two hundred. It's a certified pre-owned. <laughs> well, part of the part of the, the the myth that American tanks were lousy was was based on a, a book that was written by a, a, a guy who, in the army, his job was to retrieve tanks that had yep. been knocked out and and fix them. How do you retrieve a tank, though? I mean, that, you, <laughs> what Real tow, big tow truck? truck? <laughs> I was going to say they have recovery vehicles that are yep. built for that. And and so and so that's that's, really this is all we saw. Truck. We're we're knocked out tanks with with you know dead people in them. Yep. And, and so he he, well, he began terrifying. saying you know these 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 tanks are being knocked out all the time. And I'm like, well that's all you're seeing. Yeah. Um, you know it's, it's better uh, it's better to have it's better to have lots of tanks and having some of them getting knocked out. Whereas the the German problem was you know they had wonderful tanks and they were all in the shop. Yep. Getting fixed. Well, they, there was no there was no field repairing a German tank. You had you had to get it in. You had to get it out out of the field. Whereas, like you say, the American tanks, some of those minor mechanical problems, you could handle it right there, right there on the roadside. Man, they were they were built for that. They yep. were they're built to be easy to fix. Yep. Talking about tanks, can we talk about this mini tank that Spooner's got up? Ah, <laughs> uh, the, the the German Goliath, an expendable miniature tracked vehicle designed to deliver an explosive device by remote control. They were either a battery-powered version or a larger one powered by a gasoline engine that could go 650 meters from the controller, used against buildings, bunkers, or other enemy troops. Uh, however, it um, was not effective. Wonder why? <laughs> Shocker. That's almost like when the Soviets tried training dogs to carry explosives underneath tanks, but they trained them using Soviet tanks, so they released the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> to run at the German tanks, but the dogs turned around because they were used to going under the Soviet tanks. Arf, arf, arf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like when the U.S. decided that a pigeon-powered um, oh, guidance system gosh. on bombs would work, which actually did work. That one actually did work. For a little bit. Oh, the pigeons went on strike. Yeah. <laughs> We know what you're doing. No, I would then, have too. If I was one of those pigeons, I'd have unionized real quick. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're 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 getting near the end of of uh, this one. I was just going to think. I don't want to end it. How the yet. heck do we even like? Worst, I get it, but we can't even rank these because they're terrible ideas. There's some yeah, terrible all. ones. Like <laughs> if you had a nickel for every time Germany tried inventing an aircraft that was supposed to do something spectacular and then hilariously failed. You'd have way more money than you would need. Way more. Well, in that case, I'm going to start investing in nickels. Yeah, yeah there you go. Oh, here it is, the German railway gun. You uh, know how you aimed this railway gun, Huck? No, but you you're going to tell me. You built railroads. <laughs> <laughs> this gun was aimed by building railroads in certain directions. You could only adjust the up-down fire angle. You can't change direction of the gun. Well, Left, right, no. Because it was such a big... Well, and part of it is it was such a big gun where if they would have turned it perpendicular to the track, the kickback would have knocked the damn thing down. <laughs> Geniuses, I tell you. <laughs> Shoot, I would have known that was a bad idea. Oh, the V2 rocket. The V2 rocket. Oh, good Lord. Which led to us putting man on the moon. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Congrats us, I think. There's some failed fighters and such. Uh, the kamikaze fighters that didn't work so Ooh, well. War Dogs. Is that the one you're talking about? No, not quite. Um, but I have something I badly want to talk about because I want Hughes' um, Barb? opinion on this. Who's this, she? I am showing you the battle flag of the USS Barb. It's a submarine. And everything here on it that is something Google, it has sunk listeners. or damaged, yeah. depending on what flag it is. Way to is go, Barb. You did great. So you can see it did spend a little bit in time in Europe because it did have one sinking of a Nazi ship. However, if you look at all of the red dots on white <laughs> rectangles here, um, it kind of did a number in the Pacific Theater. Ta-da! So... Wait, we're talking about the theater now? Oh, I think I know about this guy. Yes, I've told you about the USS (laughs) Bar. Hold up. I thought we were talking about war, not theater. Dan just accidentally bumped on a Jeopardy buzzer. But it actually kind of got a good point. I was about to say that. It did. I thought you did that on purpose. So there's the European and the Pacific theaters of combat. Now, it started out in Europe, and then it went over... How big of an audience do they get? Oh, they they had millions of people. And that you could say they Ooh, were all involved call? in the production. The curtain call. Well, there was a couple really big curtain calls. <laughs> Hiroshima in the and Nagasaki. <laughs> yeah, um, this one's gonna kill you. Yeah. <laughs> that was, <laughs> now, the, the, the play kind of bombed. <laughs> Normally, a submarine commander is given three or four war patrols of a submarine okay. because. Any more than that, and you start to get a little too reckless. You get seasick. No, you get reckless. So, Commander Eugene B. Flucky. (laughs) Go ahead and laugh. That's his name. But he was... (laughs) I said Fluck. He was the commander of the USS Barb for most of World War II because he went crazy enough sinking submarines that he got a fifth war patrol. He requested and was given a fifth war patrol. And they were doing really good at sinking ships. In fact, at one point, they went into a Japanese harbor. And let me see here. Um, <laughs> on the China coast, and there was a convoy of 30 ships at anchor. And oh, let me see. What was the depth here? It was basically the depth of this harbor was they couldn't dive. For uh-huh. about three hours until they were out of the... They had to sail away for about three hours before they could dive. Now, they go into here, and they've got forward and rear tubes for torpedoes. They get in the harbor, position themselves, so they're facing multiple ships from their rear and from their front. Uh-huh. And they fire all four torpedoes out their front tubes and all four torpedoes out their rear tubes. Sounds painful. They take down six ships, all eight torpedoes hit, and then they spin around and have to maneuver out of the canal they sailed up, dodging shells until they can dive. And then for his fifth patrol, he kindly asked if they could mount rocket launchers (laughs) to the top of the submarine. (laughs) <laughs> so they could surface and fire rockets. Modern submarine warfare came from the crazy mind of Commander Flucky himself. 
But a lot I of want to came out of that guy. I got fucked up. But I want Thank to point you, out, and they had confirmed kills from using the rockets on the top, surfacing and firing rockets. But Huck, what does this very bottom center illustration look like to you? A choo-choo train. That is a choo-choo train. Now I want to point out that that means they in naval. Warfare. Uh, not not warfare in naval heritage for lack of ah. the right phrase the location and placement and color means that was sunk they sunk a choo-choo train <laughs> now i want to explain huh? how they sunk the choo-choo train was it on a boat this is one of my favorite no, stories this is not on a boat. You, you're gonna love this huck i promise you're gonna love this i feel like i've heard the story but i forget yeah because i've told you before so oh, be this good. is july of 1945 and they know there's a train that's going to be coming by so um <laughs> they used rockets against towns near where this train was going to go and they took the scuttling charge of the ship uh-huh a scuttling charge is what's meant to implode the ship it's like okay so you guys are going to capture us no nope, we're going to capture ourselves and i don't think that's capturing yourself though. well kind of uh and basically it means you're not getting this ship alive because ah. we're dead. Um, they and took the, the scuttling dead. charge off of the ship, uh-huh. a World War II submarine. So you need think of the explosive you need to sink a submarine. They At took the 12. scuttling charge, and they, <laughs> they had some sailors go ashore, and they planted explosives underneath the train. But they didn't have a timer made for it, and they couldn't make a timer for the scuttling charge. Instead, the ship's engineer rigged up a pressure switch that when the engine went over the tracks, it would put enough pressure on this switch to set off the scuttling charge. And then they get to a safe distance back. Woohoo! The train goes over the scuttling charge and gets blasted 200 feet into the air. The engine of a locomotive goes 200 feet into the air. Who, who got the, the scuttling tape measure for charge. that, though? Let's be real. I think it's like every guy in America. When it comes down, it lands right? on the side of a hill adjacent to the ocean, and the train rolls down the hill and <laughs> sinks in the ocean. And thus, the USS Barb is confirmed with sinking a train. Wow. So my question here then, looking at the rest of the flag, um, what do all the other... Because you can see the the things that they sunk very clearly. It looks like some other submarines and some battleships possibly. Um, Is it? But with but with some of these other ones, it's it just, looks like one of those guns that you would see in like a like sci-fi the, movie. The flag with the with the Japanese with the red dot filled in, or it's the red dot not filled in. My or it's gut the wants Japanese to say Imperial Army flag. My gut wants to say if the flag, if like the dot is filled in, it was sunk, and if the dot was left empty, it was damaged. Or a confirmed hit, at the least. I might be wrong, but I think I'm right. Someone smarter than us. And hey, I guess we need that listeners the, um, in the rising sun flags uh, with the, with the radiation uh, probably uh, represents a warship, mm-hmm. uh, and the big one at the top may represent a capital ship. Yep, oh. that makes sense. 
But why is only one of them not filled in? Because that could have been a warship that wasn't a confirmed hit. Or, or that was damaged. Was insane. damaged, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You got to mm-hmm. celebrate what you can get. It's like if you see a, uh, a picture of a World War II bomber or a fighter plane and they've got the flags of all their kills painted on the side of them. Can't say I've seen one in a while. I mean, there's pictures on the internet, Huck, but... <gasps> we have the technology. We've had the technology for over oh, a year. Yeah, right. No, and a Japanese a warship that was damaged was a big problem for them. It was almost as bad as having the ship sunk. They didn't have a lot of capacity to repair major warships. Um, so you'd think with all the people there, you would have the technology to do that. Oh, also, I forgot to mention those guys who went ashore from the USS Barb uh-huh. to plant the explosives. They are the only U.S. service members who set foot on who who technically quote unquote invaded Japan huh. because they weren't you know captured POWs. They went ashore of Japan, attacked it. Hmm. They did they did leave, but. Yeah, well, Japan. Japan is about about the size and population of California at the time of the the war. Well, I, I thought mean, it was more than that. No, no, it was oh. it was not a, a place team. I mean, there's a it's few. It's not the metropolitan. A it few is little today. islands. I mean, uh, you know, they 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 had a respectable population considering the size of the country, but it wasn't that 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 big. Huh. Yeah, I thought it was way more. And now we're just at the time where we wrap up the episode. <gasps> Hugh, I know you've listened to quite a few episodes of Randaville. I think it's time, that time for, for Would You, would rather, you rather? So yeah. now. Time to play Would You Rather? Would You Rather? Would You Rather? Would You Rather? I would not. Hey, Would You Rather? Would You Rather? Would You Rather? I would not. I'll go first here because. Um, I'm nothing. I'm the guy whose family was U.S. Army Air Corps in World War II, and so I feel like I've got to bring the Air Corps into this in one way or another. So here's my question for the other four people in the room. Um, would you rather be flying solo in a P-51 Mustang or... How'd they get a Mustang in the air? Catapult. Ah, gotcha. Yep. Or be the rear gunner in a B-29 Stratofortress, which is a bomber, Huck. Can I be on the ground instead? I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> nope. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm going on that one. I got to fly solo. I would be in the B-51, and I and I will say why. Some of the safest flying in the war was done over the Third Reich in a, in a P-51 because, because the high command of Germany insisted that their fighters go after the bombers with priority and you weren't allowed if you're flying a German fighter to tangle with uh, enemy fighters so so they gave up their advantage uh, you know the, the US fighters did nothing but hunt for targets hunt for the the German aircraft I'd like exactly to make, I, where I'm, that's yeah. where I'm <laughs> stop it no this is this is huge stole Dan's line and I'll that's explain true. why yeah I thought the same thing <laughs> Dan, you got um, out, outsourced. Wait, what? Yeah, because you, you you always usually say that. Go, Here's go. my opinion, and let me tell you why. <laughs> you just oh. did that. I, you I just pulled know. a Dan. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I'll tell you why. Wow, I, Dan, I you've been out, Dan. Lot, huh? I, I, here's the thing. I agree with everything you just said. The yeah. bombers was the bombers were terrible places to be. 
Yeah. Yeah, but they, they're, either, they're all trying side, to kill you on either yeah. side of the o- side of the ocean or continent or whatever you want to call it. They were going for the bombers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hugh, I'm going to quiz you now, real quick. Uh-oh. <gasps> There's only one correct answer. Would you rather be in the P51 Mustang using the Allison V1710 or the Rolls Royce Merlin engine? Okay, once again, how to get a Rolls? Oh, the Rolls Royce engine, of course. Okay, Amen. okay. <laughs> The Rolls Royce engine replaced the Allison engine, and it, it was what made the P fifty one great. Mm-hmm. I'm really still confused. They got a Mustang and a Rolls Royce into the air. Well, yep. the Mustang was powered by a Rolls Royce. Whoa! The <laughs> how did they fit? How did they fit that engine into that little car? Complex engineering and a lot of exposed body panels. Oh. Whoops. Uh, is, does anyone else have a would you rather, or did I just Dan? I'm sorry, I've been actually looking up the the meanings of the of the unofficial ship flag for the USS Barb. Ah. Um, and, and if you'll indulge us. me, ooh, I'll uh, indulge you. Among the unique emblems on the on the battle flag of the USS Barb is the silhouette of a train labeled Carafuto EXP, commemorating a train destroyed by a landing party of Barb sailors that was the only U.S. force to set foot on Japanese on the mm. Japanese home islands wow. before the end of the war. Wow. wow. Other points of special interest on the Barb's battleship battle flag, excuse me, include the German merchant ensign to the left above the ship's al- emblem. Placed on the flag by mistake after the submarine sank a Spanish merchant ship <laughs> off Cape Finisterre oh. on December 29, 1942, oh. believing it to be an enemy vessel. The small Oops. Japanese merchant flags below the boat's name, each with a black seven superimposed, each represent uh, seven small Japanese craft destroyed. The large rising sun and sign above the emblem represents the escort carrier Onyo. Ah. Wow. The flag also bears emblems representing gun and rocket attacks against various Japanese targets. Barb was the first su- submarine to fire rockets against the shore. Finally, and most notably, the f- flag bears the light blue ribbon of the Medal of Honor awarded to the boat's captain, commander, later Rear Admiral, Eugene Flucky, awarded <laughs> along with the Presidential Unit Citation for a daring attack on a 30-ship convoy during the 11th of Barb's 12 war patrols. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, that still doesn't explain why we have... Red circles not filled in. Yeah, you didn't. Well, we, you didn't answer the question. I didn't answer that question no. necessarily, but I have a better. I have a better sense of what's going on there. That's true. Yeah, it, also, it seems like those were merchant ships. Um, some of them sunk. Some of them not damaged. So sunk. Did they ever sink a shark? <laughs> well, that's, there's, a, there's a big shark. That's in the, the symbol. That's of the their emblem. Submarine. That's their emblem. <coughs> well, yeah, I know, but, but that yeah, was but it's they, a shark awesome. wearing a, a belt with sticks of TNT in its belt. Okay, but Did for real, and actually, every U.S. submarine, there's this this source that I found here, uh, it's seaflags.us. Um, oh, well, and it actually That's shows a- most of the USS Fle- the U.S. Uh, the the naval ships uh, unofficial battle flags. Are you sure it's seaflags.us? Um, well, you put in seal flags. Well, <laughs> www.seaflags.us slash unofficial slash unofficial dot html hashtag colon squiggly dash colon text equals USS parentheses 20 bar parentheses 20. That's the one. Uh, No, it's not. (gasps) You can build your own flag? Um, Anyway, it's it's showing me all of these different flags for different ships. Um, Can we build a flag for Randomville? (laughs) Most of them actually feature... (laughs) Holy crap, the USS Tang is terrifying. Oh, my God. The USS what? The USS Tang. Tang. T-A-N-G. 
Did it have like a orange slight drink. orange taste to it? <laughs> it's horrifying. Oh. oh. <laughs> wow. What the what? That's wow. awesome. That looks... Okay, it looks... Whoa, Spooner. <laughs> Those are shopping ads. There's Why are they <laughs> popping up on your browser, pal? They shouldn't be. <laughs> All right, just go to the image, okay? <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay. What? Holy How crap! Do you the this? USS Ray was busy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The, there's Skip the one. Would you rather at this yeah. point? I want to see these flags. The USS Ray is a really cool one. Well, that's not Ray. What the heck, dude? It's oh, that, that one. With the, with the yeah. Oh, guys, at, at this point, it thinks we're like guys in our 40s who are looking up naval history right now, so it's trying to give us ads based on that. Oh, wow. uh, that makes sense. Not really. Mentally, I feel like we're all about 40. <laughs> yeah, Dad. I feel like the USS Ray has done quite a bit here. Yeah, they got they wow. were busy. <laughs> that Ray looks cool. Hold up. This Did is they a fun ship name. guys this out is... of the sky? I think those are rescues. <laughs> here's, those are the, rescues. Oh. here's the USS Harder. Probably don't Google image that one. Yeah, <laughs> based off of the result. based off of what we're already seeing here, Uh-oh. buddy. This is a this is this was bold. Oh, look at that! How oh, is that nice. the one that doesn't show up with <laughs> is anything? This is inappropriate. So it's there's an actual battle flag that actually it, it's all Japanese and oh that there one there. Oh, that's the flasher. That's the flasher. Again. <laughs> don't Google that one. <laughs> <laughs> Why Again, probably don't Google it. The USS Harder, the USS Flasher. Who is naming these? I don't know. They're supposed to be named after fish. Who or Hugh? <laughs> <laughs> what? Man, current okay. ones are. Oh, the USS Cowpens is sweet. Cowpens? Cowpens. It's a Revolutionary War battle. Oh. The Aegis cruiser USS Cowpens is more than the classic mold. Snorting Bull. I wonder if you're gonna find it. At, there it at, is. Yep. Snorting Bull. Yep. That's home so of the thun- home of the thundering herd. Down up, Rock on. a little bit right there. That's oh, it. Oh, that's oh. the flag. Gotcha. Yep. Huh. Okay. I, I want to see the Tang though. The the orange drink the astronauts use. That's not tang. okay. The no. Ray. Wait, what was it? The Tang. That's, is that, that's is the it. Tang. Yeah. That's the that USS is, Tang. That's. That's so yeah. for for listeners, um, is a Japanese rising sun <laughs> with a jaguar, right? Bring it through. That's a jaguar. I'll bring that one up for That's you. That's amazing. It's okay. busting through. All right, so guys, I... the USS Gary is. Gary? Come on, this can't be real. With <laughs> Yosemite Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I gotta find it again here. Okay. Go back to the tank. The USS Gary, a, Larry, a, a Perry-class guided missile That's, frigate, yeah. uses the same approach with a rendition of the Ornery Warner Brothers character, Yosemite Sam. Two guns? Back off, vermin! <laughs> okay, it was just I, a bunch of guys from the south on that so, ship. So I have a would you rather. <gasps> Whoa! Because I got an idea. Uh-oh. And this is why I'm not in the military. Uh, so if we if we look at the 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 barb flag again, we don't have to. I'm I think just, I lost the. There uh, it is. There, there it is. is. Uh, so there, like I pointed out before, there is a shark in the middle who has torpedoes. Has that ever like 
Have you ever thought about training sharks with torpedoes? <gasps> no? All right, so would you rather have a shark armed with a torpedo or dogs with bombs? First of all, in your army? that's animal cruelty. Okay. I, I would like sharks with lasers. <laughs> I want sharks. <laughs> I want freaking sharks with freaking laser beams on their freaking heads. And I want them in a tornado. For Is that too freaking hard to dollars. ask for? For one billion dollars. Did Phyllis not bring her potato salad to the uh, potluck today, Dan? Is that what's got you so ornery? Okay, that was Austin Powers. I don't think off. anyone else got. I got that. I think I don't oh. think I don't know if anyone other than the three of us got the Austin Powers reference. Thank you for that, Hugh. <laughs> yeah. I got that. I didn't because he wouldn't let me watch it. <gasps> <gasps> what? <laughs> Actually, it was more. This is my for brother. after. Um, I've seen scenes on YouTube. I oh. want freaking sharks with freaking laser beams on their freaking heads. Throw me a bone here. Throw me a bone. I'm going with the sharks with lasers because sharks are evil. Dogs can be evil on... Did you know that there was a, at one time rumored to be an initiative by the U.S. military to train dolphins to... Uh, I think I heard about this. To what? To um, immolate themselves by yeah. carrying mines and blowing things up. Yep. So like what just I like just the did Russian with the dogs. Sharks. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. with sharks, I go with the sharks. But it was so dolphins. expensive to try to train these dolphins to do it. <laughs> yeah. The, job, the dolphins were just playing with them. They were. Yep. Just, yeah. We're gonna blow things up, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Give me some more fish. <laughs> um. Anyway, huh. that was a good episode. Yeah. Did you know that one in five Americans? No, it's not that much. No. It's like one in fifty Americans will die by the fridge falling on them. Did you know it's... that four of four four thirds of all Americans struggle with fractions? <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm at least two thirds. But them. talking about the dolphins, it's like a one in twenty five percent chance. If you ever see a dolphin, you'll be right by them. I'm and sorry. on that note, folks, thanks for joining us here in Randville, North Dakota. I don't know if that number's accurate, but I do know triangle. that the percentage is higher than you'd think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to slowly numbers. turn down some microphones it's so crazy. I can finish out this episode for us. turning down our microphones is going to stop No, us. it ain't going to stop It's nothing. never stopped us Folks, make sure to check us out online at www.randomvillend.com. You can also this send us an I've email to randomvillend at gmail.com. Oh, no. I just got a closing remark. Okay. When you're, when you're ready for the send-off. Go for it, man. Watch out for bears. And apparently dolphins. <laughs> See you next week, folks. <laughs> Bye. Next Bye. week, next month, Bye. next year. Who knows? It doesn't get any better than that.